Hi everyone, just wanted to pop in before the episode and apologize for not having anything uploaded last week. Rebecca and I have both had a lot of life stuff get in the way lately and it kind of led to us not being able to record and upload and edit and all that stuff. And so this episode will be split into two parts so that we can kind of spread it out a little bit so we have more to upload over the next few weeks. So yeah, let's dive on in. Hi guys, welcome to another paranormal episode of the Two Friends and Podcast. Uh, so today we thought we would. What oh, this is a spider? Just like <gasps> he just like dropped from the ceiling on a web, I'm trying to kill him. Where do okay? Where would he go? Oh, I hate that feeling. I hate that. Well, um, it's little so. Well, what a great opening <laughs> to the podcast today. Um, Rebecca is battling a spider for her life. And we... <laughs> so what is our, um, our paranormal topic today? Um, so we're going to go over some of the ghost stories, legends, and creepy things of North Carolina, which is where we're both from and both currently live. Yes. Unfortunately. <laughs> Especially during the summer. Very unfortunate during the summer. Oh, yeah. It's full... Like, at the beginning of May, it was hot. Like, what the fuck is that? At least, like, cool... At least be cool for a little bit longer. Our air conditioning is... I feel like there should be a hard start to summer at June. Right. (laughs) Our um, air conditioning at work can't keep up with the heat, and it keeps freezing, so we have, like, no AC sometimes, and it's miserable. It sounds like they need a second unit. Oh. Yeah, we we have two units. One of them's completely broken, so they don't use it. And then the other one, not so great. Why haven't they fixed the broken one? Uh, Because it's the government. <laughs> but anyway, uh, since this was your idea for this episode, I figured uh, I'd let you kind of go first. We've yeah. got some really cool stories today. Yeah, so um, we're actually going to start out with one of the most famous, I wouldn't call it urban legend because it's out in the middle of nowhere in Chatham County, um, but we'll say rural legends in North Carolina. Wait, say, say that again? <laughs> say it again? Rural? Oh, no, you said it differently and it was entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can replay it on the audio playback. <laughs> Rural? Uh, okay. Rural? Rural? No, no, I mean, rural is right. It's just the way you said it at first was like, rural. And I was like, what? It was just, it brought me, it brought me joy. Yeah, so uh, one of the most popular rural legends, um, which is Devil's Tramping Ground. Have you heard of Devil's Tramping Ground? Um, I, I feel like you've kind of mentioned it before because this is i know this is something that you're like interested in uh but i i don't think i know anything about it i just go off of like just the name like oh the devil lives there and he stops around yeah the basis of it is there's like a 40 foot circle of like area in western chatham county that has no like foliage on it at all nothing grows there it's like a perfect 40 foot circle the legend is that satan likes the area and walks in that circle 
nightly pacing the circle as he contemplates his evil deeds. <laughs> <laughs> so normalcy contemplates his evil deeds. <laughs> Normal stuff grows on the outside, but, like, only, like, wiry grass and stuff grows on the inside of that circle. And they've, like, tried to transplant stuff into the circle, and and nothing really grows there at all. Is there anything weird that happens there, or is it just, like, just a big circle of dead earth? So, there are, um, let me find... I'm sorry, did I ruin your flow? No, you're fine. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna get to that. Uh, let's see. Everyone says that anything that's in the circle before dusk gets violently moved outside of the circle by dawn. Interesting. And, like, people have... Does that include people? Yes. People have tried to sleep inside the circle. And, like, like supposedly no one succeeded and remained sane. Okay. Yeah, evidently something they see drives them out of their mind. And they never recover from it. <laughs> oh my god we have to go there <laughs> right <laughs> and they say that like when dogs go in there they tuck their tails between their legs and whimper like they don't they'll like dig their heels into the sand like no animal wants to go in the circle and i'll go into a little history of it so the circle like the first like known reports of the circle um date back to actually like oral history from the settler, okay. the settlers and the indigenous tribes of the 1700s. This is an article from WRAL, which is a local news station in the area. The indigenous tribes have a superstitious dread of the place, and it was with difficulty that he, the person writing this article, succeeded in getting one of them to visit the place at all, for the purposes of digging into it. Um, after getting about three feet and finding nothing, he was so impressed with the supernatural origin that he refused to go further. And then um, in 1925, a 74-year-old man born in 1851 said his grandfather, who would have likely been born in the early 1800s or late 1700s, said the spot looked unchanged from what he saw decades ago. So it's been like this since the 1700s. Um, Another article wow. referenced people nearly 100 years old remembering seeing the cramping grounds and hearing stories of it when they were children, possibly as far back as the 1780s. In the 1930s, however, a new wrinkle appeared in the story, a great black beast that chases hunters and their dogs away. The legend of this beast has seemingly not survived in more modern iterations of this tale. There is a story current of how coon and possum hunters and their dogs have been more than on one occasion, chased from the vicinity of the Devil's Tramping Grounds by a ferocious beast said to resemble a black bear. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, we'll go back to, like, the paranormal stuff. Is there any sort of, like, scientific reason this could be happening? Like, maybe, I don't know, like, gas coming up from the ground or, you know, like, weird sediment? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, um... They're still currently running tests, but the scientific tests, like, date back to, like, 1946. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. They're trying to solve the mystery by conducting soil tests. So they sent tests, uh, uh, soil samples to the Soil Testing Division of the North Carolina Department of Agriculture. And the tests determined that the soil was sterile. But they don't, they didn't know why the soil was sterile. 
Um, and then I do have some information on the more recent testing of it. Rich Hayes, a soil scientist and Chatham County resident, has tried to find a non-double related reason for the lack of plant growth there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 15 years ago, he collected data um, thinking there might be a natural cause behind it. Um, he yeah. compared soil from inside the circle to soil outside. He was specifically looking at the salt and the copper content of the soil as large amounts of either substance will kill plants. He found out that there was some elevated readings of certain things, but none of the readings showed that plants couldn't live there. Really? Yeah. He said that those tests raised more questions than they answered. Um, The soil in the circle has a higher sodium, copper, zinc, and pH level than the soil from the woods a few miles away. But none of those changes are enough to make the soil toxic. So they didn't specifically say in the 1940 study why they determined that that soil was sterile. But all of his testings have showed that there's no, like, scientific reason as far as, like, the soil test he's doing that plants shouldn't live there. Um, Also, interestingly Mm. enough, um, at certain points in the circle, um, a compass will skew by a few degrees. So it, there's some sort so of... there could be some sort of, like... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, there's some sort of, like, electromagnetic field deal going on there. Yeah. Compasses usually only do that around soils with high iron content, normally, which the soil doesn't have. Um, he does have, like, a couple of theories on why it may not... Like, what could cause the lack of vegetation. And, mm-hmm. like... I don't know about them. They're mainly, like, there's a lot of people that go there and have campfires and, like, frequent the area that may kill the vegetation. But that doesn't really answer why it's been like that since the 1800s. You mean to tell me that since the (laughs) 1700s, we'll say, that people have just been lighting fires there and sleeping there so frequently (laughs) that there is still zero vegetation? Yep. Just a campground okay. since the dawn of time. Even though the Native Americans were so terrified of it, they wouldn't go anywhere near it. <laughs> I, th- I think we need to go there. Yeah, well, um, uh, if I'll... we do, we'll have a podcast or maybe a YouTube video of our experiences. Um, and if we die... Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, see, okay, I'll be the... I'll, like, I'll go in the circle and I'll stay there overnight. Okay. Well, um, we'll not, I'm, we're not going to sleep. <laughs> so. so it'll be like an all-nighter thing. Because I don't want to go to sleep and then wake up outside the circle. I want to see what happens. Right. I want to know. Yeah. And we'll set up so we'll cameras go... around the perimeter. I actually kind of want, I haven't watched any YouTube videos of, like, people doing this. And I kind of want to just to see what happens. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I know there has to be some out there. There has to be. I mean, with a claim of the devil walking the earth every night. <laughs> Somebody has also, to try to record it. Yeah, I, I love that he... <laughs> the legend says that he's here every single night as if he has nothing else to no, do. No, it's Chatham County. <laughs> Chatham County is where the devil likes to be. Not hell. Not hell. <laughs> no, just some random forest in the middle of the night where he walks in a circle over and over again. <laughs> yeah it's definitely interesting they haven't been able to figure out what causes it and it's like been there for hundreds of years so 
definitely crazy. Yeah, and then this, like, big black beast that just appears randomly. I, I don't know. I don't know what it could be. Yeah, like a... You said it was, like, a bear? Yeah, they said it, like, resembled a black bear, which, I mean, it could be a black bear, but, you know, it's just odd. <laughs> which, um, I mean, black bears usually don't attack people. They're pretty, like, chill, but... I feel like bears don't typically attack people unless they're, like, provoked. Well, gr- right? grizzly bears are um, very violent. But black, oh. black bears are pretty shy and only will attack if they have, like, babies or you're, like, attacking them. Uh, grizzly mm-hmm. bears are crazy, though. Grizzly bears will just kill you for no reason. Oh. And polar bears. Polar bears are the worst. I love polar bears, though. <laughs> yeah, they're just really violent. <laughs> uh so speaking of violet and speaking of big black beasts um so my first story is about the demon dog of val crucis um yes so i want to start by saying this is a story that is very similar to a lot of different stories from across the states and even in other countries uh because it's basically a werewolf story mm-hmm. But, I mean, we've got, like, the Michigan Dog Man, we've got the Loop Guru up in, I think it's, like, upstate New York or something, Mm -hmm. the Wendigo, oh, messed up my pop filter, Uh, the Wendigo, the Cajun Werewolf in New Orleans, the Beast of Bray Road, the Wolfman of Defiance, like, there's so many. Werewolves everywhere. And they're all, yeah, and they're all extremely similar. A lot of them can kind of just be put off as large forest creatures Mm -hmm. that you just kind of misidentify so that's kind of why there's stories everywhere and they even date back into like native american legend like the the wendigo Mm -hmm. or the fun one we talked about during the ranch episode yes the demon dog of valcrucis so valcrucis is a little town set high in the blue ridge mountains the name means valley of the cross and it's called that because it has uh this kind of varies a little bit Because I tried to find, like, corroborating stuff Mm -hmm. for this story. But it some places say it's two rivers that make a cross. Mm -hmm. Some some places say it's three that make a cross. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really 100% sure on that. But anyway, they converge to create a cross shape. And that becomes important in a moment. So the legend tells of townsfolk discovering grisly remains of several people in the woods near a church in the late 1860s. The minister reportedly used the fear generated by this event in his sermons, telling the people that Satan had taken the form of an animal and killed the unrepentant. Therefore, everyone who sinned would be at risk of such a fate. New life was breathed into the old legend in the late 1980s when two students from Appalachian State University were traveling the roads near the old church on a dark, moonlit night. As their car turned a corner passing the old church, the two young men saw a shadow leap out from behind one of the graves and into the road in front of them. Swerving to avoid whatever had landed in the road, the driver slammed his foot on the brake, pulled off onto one side of the narrow road, and, wondering what he had almost hit, craned his head over his shoulder to see what he what was in the road. It was a dog, but no ordinary dog. This was a dog as tall and wide as a full-grown man, covered with bristling black fur, glowing red eyes and bearing massive yellow teeth the hell not reflected yeah and the eyes apparently weren't reflecting lights like a dog's eye do it looked like they were like burning like burning red yeah fun right (laughs) 
And so in the story, one young man turned to the other and asked, do you see that? His friend replied, no, and neither do you. And they drove off. Now, (laughs) now the driver slammed on the accelerator and roared off down the mountain road. He said he reached up to 80 miles an hour at certain points. Yeah. And, yeah. Because you want to be going 80 in the mountains. That's always, you know, I want to be going 80 if someone's glowing red eyes. Fuck, if I drive off the side (laughs) of the mountain, so be it. (laughs) (laughs) If there's a werewolf chasing me, I'm going whatever speed it takes. Period. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, so, it was only when he looked in the rearview mirror that he realized the dog was still following them, keeping up, and even gaining on them. Panicked, and expecting the jaws of the dog to wrap around the bumper and drag it back to hell, the driver gave one final push to the accelerator, and just as the beast was about to catch them, the car leapt over the bridge where the water met below in the cross. The dog suddenly stopped following them. The frightened students drove into the town of Boone, where they steadied their nerves and piled into a booth at Waffle House, the only restaurant open that late. They told the locals they encountered of the experience, and from there, the story spread. Now, I really enjoy this story. However, I was not able to find any other stories about it. Every, like... Everything I had looked up about this, and honestly, this goes for quite a few of the stories that I researched for this episode. So many of these stories were just the story, and I couldn't Mm -hmm. find, I couldn't find other people's, like, corroborating stories. Right. And so much of it, it, and then on the other hand, I think, you know, so many of our legends are told orally that maybe Mm -hmm. they're not written down and they aren't telling people unless they ask. So, you know, I have no way... We have no way of knowing if this is, like, a bigger, more widespread story than it is. Right. But no one's really written anything about it that doesn't go back to this. Mm-hmm. Doesn't go back to this original story of the kids in the car. So, it could be real, could not be real. I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, I would say it was something else to cover the gl- glowing red eyes. That doesn't really happen. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and with that part, I kind of wonder, like, was it... Were they actually like that, or was it y'all saw, like, a giant animal, got afraid, and, like, the mm-hmm. fear made you think right. you saw its eyes, like, smoldering with red fire? Right. You know, I don't know. It's it's questionable, but I love a good, like, dog man, wolf mm-hmm. man, werewolf yeah. story. I would love, but it's entertaining. I would love to meet a werewolf as long as they didn't try to kill me. Which it probably would, um, if every story about a werewolf ever is true. <laughs> They're never nice. Except for, like, I guess the werewolves in, like, True Blood <laughs> and Twilight. Oh, and, um, uh, Grim. Grim. He was, what are they, oh, he was, what do they call him, a blip blob? That's right. Blip blob? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, I love... I forgot about that show. I never finished it. I need to watch it again. I think that... Was it the last season? He, like, loses his powers and then he gets them back or something? I don't remember. But, yeah. Oh, but, yeah. D- demon dogs. Demon dogs all over the states. <laughs> so, what's your what's your next story? This is actually kind of a close-to-home one. Um, 
So I think in a, if you want, listen to our previous episodes, I had mentioned this one time before. So when Cody came out to visit a couple years ago, I actually took him here. Um, it is the uh, hold on, Cedar Grove Cemetery. I think if you've listened to our um, other podcast, we went there late at night and walked around. Very interesting. Which which podcast was that? If they want to go back and listen to that story, um, I think that was the ghost episode part one. Yeah. So if you want to go yeah. back and listen to that story, I'm pretty sure it's in like the ghost episode part one or two. Just listen around. Um, yeah. But we went through the cemetery at night and um, got spooked out. Anyway, spooked. <laughs> one of us got real spooked. One of us got real spooked. <laughs> So the history of, like, New Bern Cemetery is Christ Episcopal Church um, is the third old, oldest church in North Carolina, founded in 1915 as Craven Parish. Um, and the graveyard originally served first church building was, and the graveyard was constructed in 1752. By the end of, like, the century, that ground was already becoming full. So, in 1799, the church acquired a nearby field to make more room for the dead. Um, so, Cedar Grove oh. Cemetery was made in around 1800. And in 1853, the cemetery was given over to New Bern. So, there's really old graves here. And yeah. fun side fact, why the ground became full at Christ Church and had to be moved over to Cedar Grove Cemetery... Um, if you ever go to Christ Church in New Bern, you'll notice that there's not very many graves in the cemetery. There's, like, probably, like, 15 to 20 gravestones. Um, the reason for that is during the yellow fever epidemic um, of New Bern, they use that site as mass burial grounds. So there's dozens upon dozens of people buried there with no grave markers because they were having to do mass burials during the yellow fever epidemic. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after with the yellow, Ooh. the yellow fever epidemic filled up that cemetery and they had to move over to um, the new cemetery, which became Cedar Grove Cemetery. When they built the cemetery, they built a fence around it. Um, well, stone wall. And they used um, the special stone that's of the area called Coquina, I think is how you pronounce it, or shellstone. Um, it's made from calcite derived from the buildup of centuries of mollusk shells, which has a really Ooh. pretty soft gray color, um, and you can, like, see seashells in it. Oh, I'll put a picture yes, of here yes, you're talking we'll about. Yes, we'll put a picture of that um, stone. Um, the thing about that stone, though, is it can hold water. Um, because it's so oh. it's so porous that it'll hold water and like it'll pumice. Right. And it'll drop water and because of the algae and stuff in the stone, that water can sometimes be clear tinted red at best to like deep red, looking like blood and being sticky from the like <laughs> Yeah, from the chemicals and stuff in the um stone itself. So very creepy. Cool. Yes. People noticed that these drops seemed to occur when there was a funeral party traveling through the gateway. So it's a big arch where you go in and they would take the funeral parties in there. And it was remarked that the small drops were very much like tears. Um, and the citizens of New Bern began to say that 
it was if the stone itself were crying in mourning for the dead. And this earned the gateway to the cemetery, the name The Weeping Arch. Ooh. Yeah. The legend of The Weeping Arch also grew to include slightly more sinister note. It said that when a group of people passed through the gate, whoever, whoever a drop of water from the arch falls on will be the next to die. I'm glad no water fell on us when we went through that arch. That's great. It's been a long time, Daryl, among the children of Newburn, to run through the arch and see if they can avoid getting hit by water. I don't think y'all need to be tested that, kids. <laughs> okay. So the next time we go, you should probably take an umbrella. <laughs> I'm going to need a lot of coffee after we finish. <laughs> if I want to make it through the day. I could not get to fucking sleep last night. You should take medication. Then I'm like, you out cold. Well, I was... <laughs> I was going to take NyQuil, but... Then I like, cause I had been laid down for probably like an hour and I still hadn't got to sleep and I was like, oh, okay, I'll take NyQuil. And then turned over, realized it's in my brother's room. Of course. Who was also already in the bed. So I was like, that's not happening. Um, one of the other origins of the weeping comes from the history of New Bern where governor, a governor needs spite because, um, I don't know if this was before or after, but New Bern was the colonial capital of North Carolina. But a governor named Spite was killed in a duel with a man named Stanley. While killed, according to the rules of the duel, it is said that the arch strips to the rhythm of Avenge Spite's blood, dripping three drops, and then pause before dripping three more drops. Of course, we know this is just a legend, but old timers, or is it? Hold on. <laughs> um... But old old timers (laughs) have records of um, the happenings there and the deceased in which it occurred. There's no written documents, but the old timers of New Bern swear that it's true. So who knows? Definitely an interesting legend. Um, And I'm going to take the side gate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we're going to take the other gate that we came out of <laughs> instead of the big arch. <laughs> so another interesting incident of it really only being oral tradition. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, were you able to find any sort of, like, anybody's stories that maybe they had gotten? I tried, but I could not find any. Yeah, definitely oral tradition, if it's true. They say that, like... The older people, like, have incidents of it happening. Um, the cemetery is pretty much full now, so they don't use it very much. There's, like, a yeah. extra section now that they use more. There seems to be a lot of legends. I really hate not being able to find other people's stories yeah. with it. Because it kind of... It, it doesn't necessarily remove its validity, but it definitely doesn't lend to it. Yeah. And it makes it far easier to just be like, meh. It's a legend, yeah. Type deal. Yeah, and with the the sci- the scientific reason for it to begin with, yeah, you know, yeah, eh. yeah, it definitely is a scientific reason why it drips. Whether or not if you get hit by the water, you're gonna die is um <laughs> as yet to be seen. <laughs> We're gonna bring a sacrifice to the weeping arch. Wait for it to drop water on it, and then we'll wait and see if they die later. Right. 
<laughs> your stepmom. Yeah, we'll take her there. <laughs> oh, your dad will finally be free. <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> so my next story is called The Hunter of Purgatory Mountain. Purgatory Mountain. Yay. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is an actual mountain. Purgatory Mountain. I want to go to yeah. Purgatory Mountain. It's it's interesting. It's in the um. Mm, oh wait, did I cut out? I may have cut out where it actually was. Cool. Oh, it's near Ashboro. Okay. Okay, I'll get to that. Uh, all right. So, the hunter of Purgatory Mountain. Here we go. In the waning days of the war, the Confederacy knew that it had lost, with emancipation being declared and the certainty of victory for the Union. A large number of slaves had fed their oppressors and made their way towards freedom, so the Confederacy had a lot less soldiers actually willing to go join up and fight for them. Uh, now, the Quakers were pacifists who don't like to fight in any way. But an order went out from the capital that every able-bodied man was to enlist in the Confederate Army. To enforce this, the state hired gangs of men to go out and capture anyone resisting the draft and bring them to the army to forcibly serve their country. Uh, Among these hired men was a burly, black-bearded man. Nobody knew his name, and he was only referred to as the Hunter. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was paid for. He was paid by the head for every man he brought in, and determined that the Quakers were weak and easily captured. So he set off to a settlement on a hill near Ashboro, where on Sunday morning he burst into their meeting house with two shotguns pointed at the congregation. Ah, uh, yes. Trapped and Let's w- go into the church where conscientious objectors are all gathered, unarmed. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you learn how old the people he brought back for the war are, you'll really... It's very topical for what's happening in our (laughs) world right now. But um, anyway, trapped and with no way to resist, the young men of the congregation were captured. The hunter tied together 22 Quaker boys, most not older than 14, and marched them out of the town at gunpoint heading towards the recruitment center in Wilmington. Now... There, I found a few different versions of this story. All of them agreed that the men he was bringing back to be in the army were between the ages of 10 and 14. These were kids. He was bringing tied up children to serve in the, the Confederate War. For days, the hunter dragged the boys through the hills and fields towards Cape Fear and down towards Wilmington. One night, the hunter stopped in a tavern to drink and hear the latest gossip, leaving the boys tied up outside. When he emerged, the boys could see that he had had more than his share to drink. When he collapsed on the ground, they took advantage of the situation, slipped out of their knots, and started running back home towards Randolph County. Knowing that the hunter was not just a threat to them, but to everyone in their community, when they reached the county, the boys didn't go back to the settlement. Instead, they actually hid on a nearby mountain in the brush the hunter furious that his prey had escaped pursued the boys to the foothills he vowed that he would not only kill them but every one of the quakers in the settlement when he tracked the boys to the mountain he shouted at the top of his lungs knowing that they would hear the boys were faced with an impossible choice they knew what they had to do 
And so with the hunter drawing closer, the boys set a trap. They laid a snare and waited for the hunter to come by. As they heard him approaching, one of the boys let himself be seen and ran off quickly to where the other boys were waiting, with hunter in furious pursuit. As he barreled down on them, the trap was sprung and the hunter's feet were caught in the snare. The boys descended and overpowered him. Using the rope they had bound him with, they hung him from a high tree and vowed never to speak of what they had done. After the death of the hunter, a demonic bearded apparition with fiery glowing eyes began appearing in the area. Swinging a lantern, this otherworldly presence would walk through the chestnut oaks that cover the mountain. Many decades later, Purgatory Mountain would be the highest point in the NC Zoo. Park rangers on patrol for 24 hours at the zoo have reported seeing lights dance on the mountain on the darkest of night as if someone were carrying a lantern through the woods searching. Well, I mean, good for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, they, I mean, they, they really did the damn thing. They did what they had to do uh, because all, they were children. <laughs> they basically home alone him. <laughs> Uh, and I did find someone who had gone and tried to look into this story, and he had actually, like, gone to the area and, like, asked locals about it, and he had even asked two of the Quaker historians in the area about the story, um, and apparently neither were familiar with the hunter or a settlement near Ashboro for the Quakers. Hmm. And he brings up that maybe the boys were able to keep it a secret, but it's far more likely that it was a story created by moonshiners in the area during Prohibition to frighten the people away oh. from visiting. Uh, and, as it turns out, one of the trails on the mountain is actually called Moonshine Run. So... Maybe true. Probably not. Interesting yeah. story. Yeah, and I wasn't able to find anyone who had actually, like, seen the hunter... Which, honestly, if I had seen the hunter, I'd be running in the other direction. Same. Big black bearded apparition. Glowing with... red eyes. Why is everything gonna have glowing red eyes? Exactly. That seems like a default, and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, Purgatory Mountain was actually named Purgatory Mountain because of this, apparently. That's what it says. Fun. It says that it was named Purgatory Mountain because he was stuck on the mountain looking for the boys as if he were in Purgatory. So Fun. Yeah, it's a fun story. I couldn't really find any credibility for it, but it's cool. <laughs> nice. Since we didn't know we were splitting this episode up, we didn't remember to do... And outro for this episode. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to go follow us on, you know, our social platforms. Make sure to follow us wherever you're listening right now. Give us a like, subscribe, you know, whatever you can do. And we hope you have a great day. Oh, and start submitting your scary stories to our story submission email. Uh, we'll have it linked below. So yeah, have a great day. Bye.